<laughs> All right, so I am here with. Uh, I just realized is it. You just said it. It's Nat. Yeah, Nate. it's Nat and Mike. Nat and Mike. Okay, Nat and Mike. Right. Uh, two yeah. middle-aged <laughs> recovery dudes. Yeah, that's us. That's how we identify. Yeah. So among other ways. First, yeah. Tell tell uh, tell me about your show. Oh, okay. So uh, Nat and I came to get well. I don't know how far back do we go here because well, as far as you genesis, want. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, the the genesis for the idea of the show it was weird. Like we almost both of us came up with the, with it independently yeah. before we knew each other. Um, uh, and then how we knew each other is probably also significant, right? Yeah, that that's half the story. Right, uh, is is how we how we knew each other prior to doing the show. I mean, the short the short answer is our, our wives who knew each other from. Um, playgrounds and play dates and that PTA. Sort of thing. PTA uh set us up on a blind date to go see a yes concert at the right. local yes. college yes you know yes like uh wait like like a blind heart. man date yeah, yeah. yeah. nice <laughs> yeah my wife was like you know my friend christine her husband uh you know I don't know what she said. He, he needs a friend or he something. I don't friend. know. He likes yes. I don't want to go to a yes concert. That was the, yeah. My wife was supposed to go, but she had absolutely no interest in going. So, which is bizarre to me. Like, who doesn't want to go see yes in their seventies? Well, most women I playing think. the hits. <laughs> so anyway, so we go to this yes show, and this is like three years ago. Yeah, well, it's got to be more. Yeah. I don't know. And uh, we were both like active at the time, like yeah. drinking and so on. But neither one of us knew that the other one had any kind of relationship with sobriety or no, I just thought he was some, you know, nerdy dad who was just a total square, you know, and here I am an addict, uh, you know, you know, on probation and uh, going to meetings and I'm like, I have to like pull it together and be normal for one of these dad type of, you know, things. Yes. Well, I have to, I have to say it did cross my mind that something was a little amiss because (laughs) what was my wife said, um, by the way, I, Nat, doesn't drive right. so you're gonna have to pick him up and i'm like i don't know what doesn't drive this is the suburbs like how do you not drive in the suburbs why is a grown man not driving himself somewhere it's either he's got a dui or he's yeah, legally exactly. blind or right, right right so uh i didn't know about whether he could see or not so i i it kind of in the back of my head it was sitting in there and then Maybe you know cars in the shop you know because then i ordered <laughs> That's a what beer. i hope people would think i order a beer and i'm like do you want one and you're like yeah absolutely like, okay so my probation yeah. officer isn't here i'll have a beer <laughs> so we had some beers and then i don't think we saw each other for a couple of years after that oh no like scout stuff or parenting stuff, right so know? yeah there was a <laughs> there was definitely a cub scout uh <laughs> camping trip that we ran into each other and i always thought like man that's a guy that has it together um you know one day i hope to grow up enough to be just like mike you know hey, if, you, if you put a scout uniform shirt on me i look respectable it's uh, fascinating that is um, well thank you for confirming that my uh scout leaders were on drugs like i knew it they're all i knew it <laughs> A hundred percent. Yeah. Well, like I, like I was, I told the story this past week uh, uh, on the show, you know, when I got up to the scout camp, when I was like 11, the first thing I did was carve myself a pipe and I, <laughs> and I had no idea like why I didn't, I wasn't doing drugs at age 11, but, um, you were planning, but the older scouts who were like the leaders, you know, the youth leader right. took the pipe, ran off into the woods and like, Gee, thanks. brought it back all charred and smelling <laughs> funny, you know? Um, but yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. So, uh, it was, and then, so what happened? After so that? then years yeah. later, 
our kids start to be friends, right? right? We've got right. two nine-year-olds who uh, were in the same town, same school, and uh, our kids are sort of like starting to hang out. They're starting to be friends. And uh, we had to communicate because of something related to our kids, I think. And then Mike gets me on Facebook, and I guess he notices that I happen to be a member of the Recovery Elevator uh I guess that I listened to that podcast or somehow he saw it. Yeah, got a Facebook group. Right. You know, and so I was totally given away. And then, um, what did you say? You saw that when you were contacting me. Yeah. I said something like, Oh, you know, you see that you like recovery elevator. You like uh, that? I like it too. <laughs> right. <laughs> something like that. Is, isn't then, it so awkward trying to figure out if, if someone else is in the secret society? It, it really is, it, man. Yeah, but, like, what kind of person who isn't an alcoholic would know anything about Recovery Elevator, you know? <laughs> so it's like, right. Maybe you're sober, right. sober curious. Well, right, or, or they could be that they're just not ready to talk about it. Like, I remember I got, and this didn't dawn on me until years later, but when I was in, I was in a community college painting class, and I was so drunk that my teacher, and you know how drunk you have to be in a community college painting class to get kicked out, but... <laughs> He was like, have you been drinking? And I was like, I mean, like this morning. And he was like, you need to leave. And I was like, what? And he was yeah. like, I'm allergic to it. And it didn't dawn on me because this, this teacher, he used to work at Savannah College of Art and Design. And he had gotten fired and nobody knew what. And now he's at this community college. And it all clicked. I was like, he is probably an alcoholic, got fired for drinking. And now he's sober. And here's some punk ass kid showing up You're in his class him. wasted. Yeah. I love that answer though. Like not since this morning, you know. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah Drake, like but like I'm answer, sober. You know? Yeah, I'm sober now. I mean, go on. It's been four hours. Yeah, man, come yeah. on. So, so okay, uh, yeah. Sorry. So y'all, yeah, y'all no, talk so, about so, the, y'all meet so, on the elevator, right? Well, so to speak. Yeah, and then I showed up at his shop. Well, I started talking you up on. I I got the the message, and I started right, to right, be right. like, I started. We have a message somewhere. We should publish yeah. that at some point. Yeah. And uh, and I started to get the idea, like what was going on here. I'm like, oh, I'm like this guy's an addict, man. Yeah. Um, and then I got a little more comfortable. Um, and we were talking, 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 and then it finally came out that uh, he had done a podcast uh, for a little bit on a completely different subject. Uh, I think it was Beanie Baby Collectibles, something like that. The local and, local <laughs> town news, which which the audience is by definition small. Right, and he had seven downloads for that. Well, I got and a princess. I have a princess die uh, commemorative uh, purple bear that was going to be my retirement fund. Uh, <laughs> That's amazing. God, I had no idea. Hey, you never know; it could bounce back. It could. Yeah, it, right. anything is possible. My- and, so I, I knew that he had done that, and I said, you know what would be great? And he said, what? And I said, I've always wanted to do a podcast about recovery because um, my life in recovery has been a the last seven, you know, let's say 10 years, uh, sort of nonstop. I've been to four different outpatients, you know, five different outpatients. I've been to two different inpatients. I've been to thousands of meetings and different, you know, um, fellowships you know, probation and all of that. I've been nonstop doing this. And I'm like, I have a lot to say about this. And I was at a point where um, I was recovered basically or recovering, feeling good. And, um, you know, the COVID had hit and uh, I wasn't really doing the uh, the meetings. I wasn't going, doing the Zoom meetings. I just didn't kind of fall into that very well. And it started to get pent up and I had a lot to say because I 
I'm a consumer of like your podcast. I was already subscribed to church and other drugs and I, I listened to the dopey podcast and the share podcast and a dictionary podcast and anybody else, uh, and addiction memoirs. And I'm like, Oh, look, I'm ready to, I'm ready to, to say what I think about this stuff. And I think I have something to say. And, you know, uh, Mike was on board with it and it almost, it happened like, like a miracle. It was organic. It was organic and orgasmic. <laughs> That's great. dude. <laughs> totally heterosexual though. Both of us, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. both married, both married, of course. Right. So, Not to each other. Not to, no. <laughs> so, how old are y'all? Uh, Mike is like 65. <laughs> no, I'm 42. And okay. I'm 52, so okay. we got uh, a little bit of a span. There, so, but... for me, it's like looking into the future. <laughs> it's like looking into a, to a very foggy, cracked mirror, you know, like <laughs> like a circus mirror. <laughs> and so, you, so, you said you, you know, in the... Um, you said in the past few years you've been to multiple outpatients and inpatients. So, and, and I'm yes. assuming like uh, the the family has has stayed intact throughout all that. Was were you the one that crack was your drug of choice? Who, Mike? That was me. Oh, okay, Mike okay. was yeah. a big crack guy. Okay. Yeah. And what was yours, Nat? So, what was my drug of choice? I like to say that um, all of them, yours, or I didn't really have a choice. I, you hear a lot of drug of choice, drug of choice, but. I never felt like I had a choice. Maybe I had a preference. There we go. Um, er, right. Early on, I uh, I was always some kind of addict, you know, back from high school. Um, but when it started to be a problem was, um, I'd say, heroin. And when I say heroin, I don't mean fentanyl. I mean, we got heroin. Yeah. And, uh, right? It was, you know, like I wasn't dying at that point. I was doing right. heroin. Right. Trying not to be sick. We weren't you know, worrying about all that stuff, even though we probably should have been anyway, because hell it's heroin. But, um, so early on when I, I started to really develop an a issue when my wife, you know, it was a started to be a real problem with heroin. And then I went into a different rehabs and therapies and all of that. And I had gotten better, so to speak. I got off the heroin, whether I was better or not is, you know, another question. But I was clean for about six months, got my life back on track. And then I discovered that um, alcohol kind of like approximated the way I felt when I was doing heroin. So I was like, wow, I'm headed to work. And it's like, you know, 8.30, I grab a couple tall boys and then drink those on my way to work. And um, I feel like I kind of just got high. It was sort of a revelation to me. And uh, and I became a pretty straight up alcoholic and uh, got a DWI. And then the adventure got a lot more interesting from there. And and how many kids do you have? So two for now, and I think I'm done. <laughs> I just got two, a six and a nine year old, and then Mike's got a few, three. I think I have three. three. <laughs> and just three. I'm definitely done. And you're done? Yeah, I couldn't do it again. No, I, I would I would drop that. I've, it's a beautiful I've, nightmare. I've yet to have any, but it's it's on the docket at some point. But I'm so terrified of it. But I just need to get over it. Yeah, well, the problem is the older you get, the more sense you have and the less chance that you'll actually do it. That's, right. that's what I think. I think you've <laughs> got to do it while you're young when you don't know any better. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah I, I know. I know. It's like now I know better, and it's like, oh, God. <laughs> you're um, like, you know what? Plus, you need the, you need the energy. I mean. Yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't understand yeah. it. I mean, being sober, though, thank God, I mean, I actually feel like I have more energy. But uh, the parenting has gotten a lot better. Uh, <laughs> qualitatively and uh, and otherwise, you know. 
Sure. Yeah. So not thinking about getting that next, uh, that next high, you know, stopping being sick, that sort of thing. And, and then I had a, a journey since then. Um, and then there was an OD situation, uh, two years ago, the last time it was January 4th and I had been clean and going to outpatient. I was still on probation with the state of New York. I had about six months and I was working and then I decided, hey, you know what? I feel great. I think I'm going to have a drink. And so I did. Because as you know, you don't need to find uh, an alcohol dealer. You just walk to the deli. Yeah. And then, right? <laughs> so I went ahead and did that. The next call was to my Coke dealer. The next call was, hey, I wonder if I can still get heroin. And um, <laughs> the short answer was, no, you can't. It's fentanyl. But he didn't say that. He just said, yeah, sure. And wait, what's, and what's the timeline mm-hmm. of this? How long ago was this? Right. So 2018, it was January 4th. So what's the math on that? Was that January? Wait, was it 18 or Yeah, so, so about two years. That's, man, and that's, oh, that's such a, oh, sorry, I'll let you continue, but that's such a, a no, scary thought of like jump, you know, at, at 40 uh after everything yeah. and just taking a sure. drink and then it's like all right yeah let's you know let's yeah. let's call up I'm some heroin reason. again right and, and the first thing before the heroin was like hey coke sounds great why does it sound great because i'm insane of course <laughs> but um yeah man and then I'm, I'm i'm at my job uh it i work at a shop that i actually own and uh, so I don't have anybody really looking at me. There's not a lot of customers. <laughs> but luckily, there was a customer that afternoon because I, I started sniffing the um, – I, I didn't – I wasn't an intravenous just because I could never figure it out. But that's another story. So uh, – and I had gone to the back room, and I fell out after drinking all day, doing Coke for whatever kind of Coke it was. It was probably just fentanyl in the Coke, the way things are going. And then I had actual fentanyl and then I had a customer at the time that was uh, coming in a lot and she noticed that I wasn't there. Thank God I didn't lock the door because she came to the back of the shop and I was out, like falling out, out, like dead, you know, and then the cops came, not just the cops, thank God the, um, the ambulances and two Narcans later, I was in the back of an ambulance and uh, that was the... Well, a few days after that was the last time I had ever done anything. Um, and I lost feeling in my right arm because I had passed out uh, on – somehow I had passed out so that I cut off circulation yeah. in my right arm. Compartment yeah, syndrome or whatever it's called. Exactly. Yes. I Googled it afterwards and found out that this is common and sometimes people lose their their limbs. Yeah, this this and, guy uh, I was in a mm-hmm. ox, this guy I was in an Oxford house with went into a um, and he was a nurse he went into a soma coma and he oh, so Jesus. if you imagine Even standing Ryan. up straight he just like crumpled so like his knees went so he was laying down backwards with his knees folded if you can imagine that and Jesus. so his so below the knees both calves just swelled like crazy and they he has these massive a cut from the back of his knee to his ankle about two inches wide, like an oval where they had to cut it open and like dig out all this fluid. Yeah. Just permanently. Shit yeah, that's, a, that's a common, a tough, common thing. You, and you don't ever hear about it. I never heard about that. And I spent three weeks. Luckily here I am, I'm alive. And 
that was enough for me to, you know, never use again. Luckily, I mean, it wasn't the only thing I had to still do some, do the work, but, um, you know, uh, I couldn't use my right arm really. And it was scary. It was so scary. I remember sitting in the, in the ambulance trying to move my arm and I could move it about to the elbow and I was freaking out. And of course the people in the ambulance are like, calm down, calm down. And I'm like trying to tell them like, you don't understand. I can't feel my hand. And they thought maybe I was injecting. So they were like, Oh no, no, it's just, you know, I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like you don't understand. I cannot feel my hand. Um, and after that week, the weeks after that, I had to learn how to uh, wipe my ass and jerk off with my left hand, which <laughs> is a nightmare. <laughs> Anyone who's been married as long as I have, you know that that is, you know, that's bad. So, um, but I, I worked through it. And um, is, it, is it still me, the case? Mm-hmm. No, thank, thank God in baby Jesus. Um, I had he now wipes his ass with his right hand. Wipe my ass and jerk off. God intended. Righty. Uh, so yeah, but that was just, you know, look, and then that was the last big thing in my life. Since then I'm off of probation. I've graduated probation and uh, I'm out, I have graduated all programs and so forth. And as soon as I got my car back, I was like, I'm going to be super guy. I'm have my car. I'm going to be recovery guy. I'm going to take my kids everywhere. (laughs) COVID-19. Oh man. and that's where we are today, but I've been able to, it's been amazing. And then that's when I got to know Mike and all of this great stuff has been happening. And so in a nutshell, that is sort of where I'm coming from. Um, Mike's got a longer, more sorted story. I don't know if it's more sorted. <laughs> I think it is that's more pretty sorted. sorted yeah. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's, yeah, Mike, lay, lay it on, lay it on. So, so my, my addiction story is sort of more like a bell curve, you know, up and down, up and down, but. Things got, uh, you know, I started drinking when I was, you know, what, 13, like a lot of kids do, hit, hit, um, hit the beers in the woods, that whole thing. And, but I just kept accelerating through high school. Uh, once I went away to college, the sort of wheels came off the bus. I was, I was binge drinking. I was drinking every day. And, um, you know, I went to school up in the, in the Bronx in New York, which is a lovely neighborhood. And it was even lovelier in 1985. <clears throat> and uh, crack had just sort of made its entree into New York city in 1985. And, uh, the first time I actually bought crack, I was, I was walking up to one of the local uh, watering holes in the neighborhood and some guy called me in from an alley and offered to sell me a dime. And I thought he meant a dime bag of weed. So I bought it off him and it was a, it was a bottle of crack, a vial of crack, $10 worth, which, um, you know, and, and that's like, why didn't you ask for your money back? I was like, fuck that. <laughs> Are you kidding? I, <laughs> you know, I was, yeah. I was up for whatever, you know. So I just, I dumped it into a regular bowl that I would smoke weed out of because that's what I had in my pocket and just, and, you know, wasted most of it. Yeah. Sucked that fucker down and I was like, anybody got 10 bucks? You know, <laughs> and that was basically the story of my life for the next six years. Um, I failed, promptly failed out of college and uh, just basically spent the, spent all that time. If I wasn't on the road following the Grateful Dead, I was, I was wandering around smoking crack in the South Bronx. It was kind of a weird juxtaposition from great dead show parking lots to, uh, to alleys in the Bronx, but <laughs> not exactly new Jack city, but not, not exactly. I mean, you know, it, it's weird. Cause I was, you know, I, I was born and raised in the suburbs. I, I'm like the, the, the whitest, you know, freshest little suburban meat that, that streets <laughs> could have ever seen, you know, <laughs> but you, but you, but you learn pretty fast, you know, oh, when yeah. you get there, like, you, you know, who to talk out. to, who <laughs> the players are. I mean, it was really like a three square block area that kept me, 
entertained. You know, I, I knew where Freddy's Crack House was, which <laughs> really should be the name of like a bar or something. <laughs> Great uh, branding right there. Uh, Freddy's Crack House. Freddy's Crack House. I, <laughs> I, I worked at the Bronx Zoo driving the safari tour train. <laughs> oh, that's one, hilarious. I, was just, I, was I didn't know that. On, on acid, I, I, you know, a friend of mine who... He's actually on the radio in New York. I'll tell you who he is off the air. Yeah. But he and I used to, uh, we used to take our breaks from the zoo. We'd go to uh, my apartment, which is nearby, <laughs> and we'd rip bong hits. And then a couple times we took acid and then drove the tour train around. That was pretty fucking <laughs> wild. But it was weird because you got like 75 people riding there. And yeah, you're, like, you're driving you know, them. <laughs> and the Greve zebra, the stripes are not actually black. They're brown. You know, yeah. like the whole thing is just <laughs> twisted. But, um, yeah, what was I going with that? Anyway, um so, um, you know, I had a few interactions with the police, but the thing, the thing up there is if, if you were white and they knew you were had some association with the school in the neighborhood, mm. you could be doing whatever, and they just kick you loose and arrest the guy that you're with. Right. And that happened more than once. You know, I remember one time I'd found, like, a vial of liquid acid on the floor of this dead show at Madison Square Garden, oh. brought it back to the Bronx. We all took it, and then me and my, my partner in crime, not Harry, different guy, right? We uh, wandered the streets and we were looking for crack because, you know, why not? When you're tripping, let's let's get some crack. Absolutely. Weird, weird mental association yeah. anyway. But so we found this guy and he's but something was a little bit off about him. And he was leading us down the roads in the South Bronx and we didn't know where we were going. And cop pulls up and it's three o'clock in the morning and I'm at 145th Street in the uh, South Bronx. Oh, uh, and they separate us. They take the guy we were with and put him on one side and they take me and my friend and put us on the other side and you're tripping at this point and we're tripping right uh, and uh he's like what are you doing here and we're like i don't know we're just going for a walk with <laughs> our friend <laughs> you know <laughs> like yeah you know i don't know what what i don't know how you know this guy they said to us but check this out and they open up the bag he'd been carrying with them and they pull out this machete that's like Ooh. the size of my arm and they're like he's like I, I don't think he was taking you guys to get drugs like, wow so, he's like so why don't you guys run home you know and then and then they arrested him you know, wow never, never gave our names never saw anything and you know and i had a couple other times i would get um uh i would be standing in a vestibule of a of a tenement building with a mouthful of crack files and the cops are like what are you doing here i'm good and they're like, just get the fuck out of here. <laughs> the yeah, out of here. My, the times, yeah, because I, I was also like a very suburban white kid. And it's like the times I would get pulled over by like a cop. Like there was one time in particular, it was like 3 a.m. And it, I was in Cracktown, USA, and I got pulled over. And the cop is just like, what are you doing, bro? <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, he knew what I was doing, but it was more like, are you fucking stupid? Like, you're going to die. Like, go home. Right. And, yeah, and the the times I would I was a, a shooter, so like I, I would shoot my crack and coke, and like the times I did that while tripping on acid was not oh my pleasant because it was just like my all the the LSD or all my cocaine paranoia became real, and so it was yeah. like yeah, oh, it was not yep. fun, not a fun time. It, no, no, not a fun time, but you know. I mean, thankfully, the NYPD in the 80s had a lot of other shit to deal with in the Bronx right. than, than, you know, bust me uh, or spend hours doing paperwork for like for me. Um, I remember when I first got there, I was sitting in a, in a park drinking a 40 ounce beer with a friend of mine and we were smoking a joint. And three cop cars roll up on us and they all jump out and we get up and start to run. And they're like, guys, guys, we don't give a shit about the weed. We don't care about the beers. 
They're just like, did you see a guy run by here with a gun? <laughs> <laughs> we were like, uh, no. No. So they go, okay, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Get him Later. Oh. Yeah, as you were. But, uh, but you know, that same park, like two months later after we started smoking a lot of crack, um, there was this kid who was on the corner up there who, would, who we would buy from. But he was like a kid. He was like, I don't know, 14 maybe. <laughs> and uh, – what he beat us one day. He sold us like you know, it was like little pieces of cement. Uh, and uh, so the next time we were up there, we see him, and we're like, we're drunk, and we just we chase him around a car. We're like, we're gonna fucking kill you, you know. And, and we laughed it off and left. Well, you know, you can't really do that like in those neighborhoods, <laughs> no. like because there are repercussions. Like, people, you know, that we call it, everybody was laughing at this kid, right? right? So we're sitting in the same park like two weeks later, and he shows up with a fucking thirty eight. And stuck it in my face. He's like, "You're gonna laugh at me now, motherfucker." Oh, I was like, "Listen, listen, man." Hey. I'm like, "Yeah." Um, we managed to talk our way out of that. I, I don't even remember how. Um, he was with a friend, and we took the friend aside and said, "Listen, cool this guy down. Yeah, he doesn't want yeah. to kill. If he kills two white boys in the park next to the school, he's gonna fuck. You know, his career is over. <laughs> yeah. That's it. He'll never work well, in politics again. <laughs> no, yeah. it's it. Well, his name was." Uh, his name was Whitey. We used to call him Mole Face because he had a mole on his face. That's, right? that's, that's you know, Drug nicknames are really? very, uh, well, very on the nose. Well, when they, uh, I wear glasses, so whenever they'd see me coming up the block, they'd be like, "Yo, glasses, yo, glasses." <laughs> so uh, he ended up. That kid ended up getting popped like a year later, and they they made a mural of him on the side of the building, and, and the rest is history. <laughs> well, his his his, his, his race was run, man. He was he was done. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, 1991, things just kind of came to a head. I was, um, and I just kind of, I, I, you know, I couldn't even put my finger on, on the day that I stopped. I was having a cast of characters like coming through my apartment and my landlord was starting to get freaked out. And I was, uh, living with a woman at the time and, and she was, you know, she was partying, but she had standards. I had none right. at the time. Uh, and we ended up moving out of, out of town. We moved up to, to Buffalo to sort of get our heads straight, pull the geographic. I did actually find crack in Buffalo. Did you really? There, but just once, because the scene up there is a little freakier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's more expensive than I didn't It is, yeah. Avoid Buffalo crackheads. So that kind of that kind of ended my my cocaine career. And I actually stopped drinking for two plus years. Uh, I don't know I kind of like in my experience to like an anchor skipping along the bottom because every once in a while I'd just go out yeah. for a day and you know no drugs, but I would get really shit faced. Um. And, you know, I had enough sober time and enough perspective that I was able to go back to college, uh, hold down a job, you know, graduate from college, go to law school. Law school, my drinking just really ramped, ramped up through the roof. And at the end of um, law school, I started doing coke again because there was a bar in the neighborhood in Brooklyn I was living in. Uh, oddly, it was called Cokies, but it was, <laughs> it was after the it was named after the frog, you know, in Puerto Rico, the Cokie frog. Oh, uh, yeah, nothing to do with cocaine. Suppose that's what the owner told <laughs> right, me. Right. Yeah. But anyway, there's the the DJ booth. You'd go in there. They, they actually had a confessional uh, from a church that they put in there, and that's where everyone would do the coke. <laughs> oh, you buy it off. Gosh. The, you bought it off the DJ, you know. Who and it was. I don't know if there was any coke in it at all. I mean, I what occasionally think I think it was some <laughs> kind of speed. Yeah. yeah. Because you just you definitely didn't sleep, you know. Right. So I, I I did that until the bar got busted and closed down. But I was working for the city as an attorney at the time, and um, that also you, confirms my suspicions about the, yeah. the goings ons <laughs> and the private lives of attorneys. 
Oh, well, yeah. the thing is, you know, I was I was a city attorney on the civil side, but they gave you the same badge that they give, gave to the ADAs. You get a little a shield, basically. So um, I was coming out of that bar after it had been closed. I come in there, and it's, it's very weird. There's nobody around. I had a corona. Right. I was talking to this guy, and the guy's like, yeah, they, they busted the place. So here, here's my number. Call me. You know, we'll, we'll do this outside the bar. I walk outside the bar. Two plainclothes cop cars pull up, take me, throw me up against the wall. I'm wearing a suit and I got the shield in my pocket. Right. They open up, up and they're like, counselor, counselor, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I was like, well, I was like, I'm nothing. I'm just having a beer, you know? Yeah, like, long story. So they're like, uh, what's that in your hand? And I open my hand. It's the guy's number on a piece of paper. Oh. And they're like, We're, we'll, we'll just take that. We'll call it later. Yeah. You know, they're like, you, you get out of here. You and get out make of sure here. you go to work tomorrow. You know, one of those things. <laughs> yeah. um, see, see you in court, officer. <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of, kind of, you know, I, I, the stakes were pretty high for me. You know, I could lose my light law license and all that stuff. So I kind of, that was it for me for the Coke, except for one errant week weekend in New Orleans, which I was just telling Matt about before the show. Yes. Um, we have, we're not officially releasing that story. Yeah. Yet. I got to <laughs> think about that one. That's going to be a pay-per-view. But, uh, but the drinking just kept, kept on going. Um, you know, and, I, and, you know, I, there was some other stuff. I mean, nine 11 happened. That, that didn't help the drinking. Cause I was down there that day and saw a bunch of shit and, <clears throat> I started going to therapy. I started trying to process some of that. And then, um, you know, fast forward a few years and I just settled into a fairly comfortable lawyer like drinking. You know, I was drinking every night, not a, not a huge amount, but enough that it was, you know, making me cranky and irritable all the time. And, uh, and then I was, you know, my work, I travel a lot for work and I, I have a lot of uh, functions and I found myself getting really shit faced at those. And so about a year ago, a year and a month, you're in two months, somewhere around there. I, I kind of pulled the plug on, on the drinking too. So, um, you know, and when, in the, when I quit in the nineties, I, I went to AA a, a few different stretches and put some time together. Uh, but I, I found every time I sort of interacted with AA, I would end up drinking again. Mm. So this time I said, you know, what, let me, let me try something else. And, you know, there's more resources now than there were you yeah. know, in the nineties. I mean, the Back internet, then, for you, one, with <laughs> AA, right? you know, so you can look up stuff and, you know, I, I, I found a few books and, and stuff that helped me. And, you know, a lot of it was like CB cognitive behavioral therapy, like self, self-imposed. And, um, it seems, it seems to have done the trick so far. I don't count my chickens, you know, I keep, keep the recovery front and center in front of my face. I mean, that's part of what doing this podcast is, yeah. is about. It, that's like what we're, Jed, that's what, like what we're talking about a lot, you know, cause we, we both are on this recovery journey and different perspectives. And we're just sort of trying to explore, you know, what does work and what works for us. And are there other possibilities? And, and if you feel marginalized and shamed when you relapse at your, you know, AA programs or whatever other 12 steps you've been at or these outpatients that have been to, and, you know, maybe that's not the way. I mean, maybe it's, it helps some people, but maybe there's another way for us to, um, to hang on to sobriety and, and to maybe even recover, you know, perish the thought, the word recovered, you know, is, is kind of a, <laughs> it's kind of a third rail in, in, uh, in this industry. Right. And it's, it's such a, it's also, it's like such a fine line too with, with, you know, addicts and alcoholics, because it's like, you don't want 
unnecessary guilt or shame, but you also don't want a carte blanche to kind of do whatever you want to do. So it's like a, it's a, it's yes. a, it's a mm-hmm. weird, it's a weird line to navigate, right? Um, yeah, it's, it's almost impossible. I mean, yeah. it really is. You're right, though. That is probably the most difficult part of, you know, not overshaming somebody, but also making them responsible for the behavior. Not to say it's okay that you relapse, but maybe it kind of is okay, but it's still horrible for the things that you're trying to do with your life, you know? So kind of walking that line. And I think that you're a clinician uh, in your work. Is that Yeah. Are you in right. the clinical? So, I mean, you do that on a daily basis, I'm sure, trying to walk that line. Yeah, and that's, you know, no, number one thing, especially people that are coming back from relapse, is making sure they don't sit in that shame and remorse and like, oh, thinking right. about everything mm-hmm. I've screwed up. It's like, no, you you may as well forget that like immediately, <laughs> like just, just focus on, you know, getting back on the, getting back on the horse and just doing what you need to do, uh, in order to not do that again, learn from it. Um, yeah. Cause I, it, right. it is the, the, the like deification and worship of, uh, of, like specific clean time is like a real thing that can really screw people up. And and at the same time, it's definitely something to be, um, you know, proud of. And it's important for newcomers to know, uh, that it is possible. Right. And that like, Oh, okay. So, you know, people do recover, but it's like, you have some people that really put a ton of emphasis on it. Well, you know, and, and that's something I thought about a lot and, you know, Nat and I have talked about that on a, on a couple of episodes and, and, you know, the way that I like to look at it is, you know, if you used to drink every day in a month and last month you drank one day and you were, you're 99% successful for that month right. and to dwell on that one day and forget the lessons that you learned in the other one. That's what I used to know. try and tell my wife. Yeah. <laughs> right. That was that exact, uh, right. you know, right. but it's true, man. It right. is true, you know, but. And then on yeah. the then on the same token, it's like you have the time where like you, you drank once and ended up dead from heroin. So it's like well, right, right, it's, it's, exactly. Yeah, yeah I mean, my a, experience is is mostly with with alcohol. So yeah. I it doesn't I, sound I that know. way, Mike. Uh, man, well, I, I heard a lot of back. crack in that story. <laughs> yeah, but I never I never smoked crack if I wasn't drunk first. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, then that's that's all right. Then. Yeah. Quit quit pointing out the cracks crack. in his story. Oh, God. <laughs> hey, bazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool, man. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's what on Recovery in the Middle Ages, it's kind of a schlocky title for a podcast, but we're kind I of It's schlocky. a brilliant title for a podcast. I, do you think it's brilliant? I, I, I think I it's mean, it was all your idea. Title. Yeah, it's um, funny, right? I mean, Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want it to cut off on us, but I want to spend the sure. the time we got left. So, just tell everyone yes. um, where they can uh, uh, hear your show, find your stuff, website, socials, all that good stuff. Yeah. So, thank you. Uh, the The podcast is called Recovery in the Middle Ages, a podcast about two middle aged <laughs> suburban dads in their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. And um, we are on iTunes, Apple Podcasts search us out um we are on where else are we We have a we have a facebook page we do have a facebook page and um where i mean we're i'm also active um i took jed on the dopey nation we're on there we're, we're talking to people on our facebook and uh and we have emails you can contact uh, us um it's uh, mike mike r I? mike r mike r at, at uh, middle, middle ages recovery.com recovery. 
yeah, so uh, give us a message. And, and, Jed, we really appreciate you having us on. I love your show. I'm yeah, catching up on show. it. We didn't get to get into the religious stuff, um, which would be fun on another episode. Yes, for um, sure. We'll, maybe, you'll, maybe, you'll, maybe you'll come on our show and we can talk about that. Yeah, man. Yeah. Let's, let's kick it back and forth. This is too much fun. Yeah, I would, I would love to. I'd love to. And I'll fix it so that there's not a time limit next time. But, yeah, yeah. Nat, my, thank you all very much, man. I appreciate it. You got it, man. Thank you. Alrighty. Have a good one. All right. Y'all too. Yep. Take care.